The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As we constantly move forward, there is a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today, and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow. If you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. Good day and welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. My name's Dave Goldberg and I'm your show host and Big Beacon is a movement to transform higher education at bigbeacon.org. In every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us. And you can follow a tweeting of the show at hashtag Big Beacon Radio. And today we've got a a group of four uh, joining us from Lehigh University to talk about an exciting program called Mountaintop. And in the first segment, we're going to be uh, joined by uh, Alan Alan Snyder and uh, uh, Sarah Stanlick. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having us, Dave. Yeah, thank you for hosting us. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And and uh, Mountaintop is is so exciting, and and I'll look forward to getting into that. But before we we do, I'd like. Uh, to make sure that our listeners know a little bit about you. Alan, you're, you're Vice President, Associate Provost for Research and Graduate Studies at Lehigh, and our listeners can find out more about you on the program page. But before we get started in talking about Montab, what one or two things should they know about you before we start uh, uh, talking about this very interesting program? Well, Dave, maybe it comes out a little bit in my bio. I guess I would say I've always been a bit of a tinker and a maker. I have a long history of modifying homes in which I've lived. I've, 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 I've managed to be pretty careful with the current one as I've been um, busy with other things. But that, that's one thing um, uh, about me. Yeah, great, and and uh, and that certainly plays a role in the formation of of Mountaintop. And and Sarah, you're you're now founding director of Lehigh Center for Community Engagement, and and before that, you worked as a graduate assistant in connection with the founding of Mountaintop. What one or two things should our listeners know about you before we get started? Uh, well, I think it's important to know about me that I've had a bit of a non-traditional path. I'm going from um, a bachelor's in international affairs to a master's in conflict and coexistence studies and then a Ph.D. in um, learning sciences and technology. So I've had this interesting um, investment in education and student development, but through kind of an interesting weavy path. So I've always uh, loved the uh, opportunity to be interdisciplinary, to really play off a variety of different experiences, and that's why I've been so excited both to work with the Mountaintop Project, but then also to be founding the center from scratch. There's, there's a lot of exciting synergies happening. 
Nice. And, and, um, and, uh, and as you, both you know, uh, Mark Somerville and I wrote the book, A Whole New Engineer. And in that book, we, we talk about the central experience of education today being unleashing. And so we like to hear from people who have non-traditional backgrounds uh, and, and to find out what some of the unleashing experiences have been where they've had the courage to do something a little bit different or, or who the, who the unleashers were, who trusted you enough to be unleashed. And so, um, yeah, Sarah, let's continue with you and then we'll check in with Alan. What, in, in what, what enabled you or who enabled you to uh, go your non-traditional path? Well, I, I think that I was very lucky in a lot of ways. Um, growing up and in different circumstances, I was always trusted in, in different, you know, leadership positions, but not from a hierarchical sense, more from a leading from the middle. Like, you can think back to elementary school and being in Girl Scouts and, and having that trust of, you know, you can do things and you can do things a little bit non-traditionally. You could try and experiment. So that's been a really wonderful, consistent theme from my parents to my teachers all the way up until today. Um, and more recently, I was very fortunate to be working in um, Alan's office and to have that support system to be able to think beyond what my actual title and um, was to be able to say, you know, I have, you know, I might be looking at research development and the program support and all of those things, but in addition, I'm getting my PhD in education, thinking about transformative learning. How can I weave that into the current um, the, the current initiative that we're working on with Mountaintop. And I, ha- I had a lot of support and a lot of trust from folks um, that made me feel like I could be a valuable partner at the table. Awesome. And, and uh, yeah, I love, I love hearing these. This, actually, I love getting up in the morning or, or, the af- or doing the show in the afternoon and, and, um, and hearing these stories. Alan, uh, you know, what, uh, what or who uh, has unleashed you at different points in your life? Yeah, you know, Dave, you used the phrase unleashing, and we've used it as well. And as I think back and as I think about how we try to work here at Lehigh, I think of people on, on very, very long leashes um, mm-hmm. and and the good things that come out of that. I, I think looking back, I've always found myself on on literally a very long leash and, and found that um, as long as you are offering ideas that other people find themselves taking up and choosing to act on, uh, that's what will tend to happen. Uh, you, will, you will tend to find yourself on a long leash and find yourself rather um, mobile and turning to new subjects, new directions rather easily. So yeah. I, I look back and it seems to have always been the circumstances I found myself in. Yeah, I'm just curious though. Is was there a, like a special? Sometimes there's a time when someone trusts you to do something that you don't even trust yourself to do, and that can be one of those uh, pivotal moments. Is there? Is there? I'm just curious whether there's that kind of experience in your background. So I I certainly think back to my early time in graduate school when I had a was working as part of a, a very large lab. It was a multi-campus project. Uh, and had uh, a faculty mentor who simply left an awful lot for me to do, and it was this tacit expression of trust. Mm. Otherwise, he would have pulled the reins in. And I think once I found myself in that position, I simply realized, oh, I can do what seems to make sense to me, Mm. and they'll say something if... I'm, if I'm headed in the wrong direction. 
And uh, that I think that was an early unleashing. Nice. So Mountaintop's a fascinating change initiative. I've, I've visited with you guys uh, last year, I guess. And, and uh, so maybe, Alan, you know, uh, what, what is it and how did it get started? So I would say the simplest way to explain how it got started was through some conversations um, among leadership at, at Lehigh, the president, the provost, the deans, and, and, and others, where we really uncovered or brought back to the surface a very old idea about the process of learning and its, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the relationship of learning with how we see research here, uh, the notion that in the process of striving to do something constructive, whether it's striving to understand or maybe even solve a problem, striving to fill in a gap in understanding in that, in that process, that striving process of doing something constructive, uh, that is the very best venue for learning and also a venue and a process through which people learn habits of inquiry and problem solving and in, in the way we've structured it, teamwork that will be among the most valuable things we can ever develop in students. From that point forward, as a matter of bringing together a dozen or so of our faculty and saying, we have this idea, and we're thinking these things are important, and we actually have some fresh space we'll be able to work in, and what do you all think you might do with it, and in the hands of faculty and students, it simply took off and took on its own life from there. Yeah. So, uh, and and so, Sarah, how would how, how would you ex- explain Mountaintop to somebody that's not read about it or heard about it? Sure. I I think that I would say that it's the opportunity to dive deep in a way that you do not get in the normal course of a year in an academic year. Um, you have um, mentors who are there to be supportive facilitators of your learning and your exploration, but aren't yeah. teaching you or hierarchically top-down telling you what you need to be doing um, during the experience. Um, you're fabulously supported by uh, resources and by a larger campus community that's there for your exploration. So, you know, if you're working on a, a storytelling project and you realize that you need to tap into a community partner or you need to talk to somebody who has more experience in a specific realm of technology, you have that campus system that's really supporting um, the ability to learn more and to deep dive, which I think is very unique, um, certainly for Lehigh and I think for other colleges as well, that opportunity to really say, we're investing time, resources, and trust in the students to run with things and to explore new avenues. Yeah, so uh so and it's a so it's a summer program and mm. it's a um and it's in a special facility that's a little bit off off campus. Mhm. Uh on, yeah, on a ha- part of our campus that's otherwise incompletely developed. It's an occupied part of our campus. It was yes, a, a big old industrial high bay building, vast soaring open spaces which was just the right kind of space to do it in and and not off campus, but on a part of our campus okay. that is um, relatively untraveled compared to the the central campus. And and so it's and 
when you bring you know, so you bring students and faculty to it what what are we talking about size wise how many students how many faculty in the uh, times that you've run it and and uh, I'm not sure I have the 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 history right but how many times have you run it and what's how's it how's it grown or or, or what are the dimensions of it so we we started uh in the summer of 2013 and the the summer was a really a solution to a problem we think we have something exciting here we had some faculty excited about it the academic year from august to may is awfully crowded and and busy and the summer it was this vast unfilled space that we could simply use and we also had the good fortune of some donors simply stepping up liking what they heard and providing some funds to enable things like students getting stipends so they can skip their summer jobs and and so forth so we started in the summer of 2013 in the hands of about eight or a dozen members of the faculty either the people to whom we initially floated the ideas or colleagues they had brought in and about 30 students and then expanded in 2014 uh, with about 100 students and 2015 with about 150 or 200 students and now we're in the process of gearing up for the coming summer with about the same level. Uh, along the way, the mountaintop paradigm, as we might call it, has started um, happily to bleed into the academic year. So now we're seeing uh, spring classes going into a summer experience or a summer experience going into a mm. fall semester for credit activity and so forth. Nice. And so uh, in in getting things uh, uh, started, what were some of the... Um, what were some of the initial challenges or difficulties? You know, so anytime you propose something that's a bit different and that you're not already doing, there's there's resistance. They can't. We don't do things that way here. What were some of the challenges or the resistance to the things that you were talking about back before 2013? So one one thing I would say at the outset was the remarkable uptake and the hmm. non-obvious or unanticipated things that faculty and students did with the idea. And so in that way, there was this um, immediate uh, blossoming. Um, it, in terms of challenges, I think the the biggest challenge for us has been to have people understand that conceptually this is applicable to students and faculty in any field of study mm-hmm. um, between the large spaces which allow you to build things and so on and the visibility of people 3D printing artifacts of different kinds and those sorts of things. Sure. It's very easy for people to um, think of this as an engineering thing or an entrepreneurship thing. And we have had those elements. We've also had uh, filmmakers and writers and poets. uh, And um, uh, part of the beauty of the experience has been the, um, the, the joining in of the effort by people um, from a whole variety of fields of study. Our most participatory academic department last summer was our English department. Some wonderful hmm. projects. 
Uh, nice. a, a, a challenge has been, or part of the work has been, to make sure people understand that that opportunity is there and that those fields of study are, um, um, are a necessary part of, of, a, of a full scope environment that we want to have. But there has been the sense in, in liberal education that it's about understanding, and 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 so when you are out in in a big high bay building, you're doing something. And so this goes back to your comment about being a maker. That you know, so action in the world isn't necessarily always what liberal education's been been about, at least directly. And and maybe Sarah, I get you to respond. What what surprised you um, in those opening moments? And we just have a little time before our break. Sure. Uh, just very quickly, I think one of the things that every group has um, run into is that first trust building of you, you really want me to explore? You really want the walls yes. to come down? Um, so that's been, that's been fascinating to see students and faculty members learn to tolerate ambiguity, to roll with the punches, to try n- different things and to be comfortable not knowing. So often we emphasize you must be a leader, you must check the boxes when you're getting towards graduation, but really how do you become a considered, reflective, intentional individual? And I think that so much about Mountaintop allows for that type of introspection and that type of team building and trust with your partners that really is unique to then going out into the world and becoming that active citizen or active worker or individual who is um, you know, trying to um, go towards affecting positive change yeah. in their, their environment. Just, you know, and quickly, uh, just curious, and I've seen this in other programs too, so I'm curious about your answer that, you know, so you mentioned this, this trust building phase or are you, this, are you serious phase? You, you really want me to do what I want to do and you really mm-hmm. want me to work with, with faculty in this way or, or with students in this way. How long did, did that take or does that take in, in, uh, when, when you start these, start a group in the, um, in the summer? How many weeks? I'm sure it varies from from team to team. For us, it was about two weeks, and it was a lot of um, information sharing. And so two weeks is about the time it takes to start getting really comfortable. Yeah. No, and I've seen in in a regular academic year, if if you're only meeting two, three times a week, it can take six or seven. But we're not talking about months. We're talking about a short time. And and people, once they realize that you're serious, say, oh, my gosh, what a this is so beautiful. And they're Mm -hmm. they're really grateful for it. So and so I think we want to we want to kind of circle in and get some uh, uh, faculty and student input. And so this is Big Beacon Radio with our special guest from Lehigh University Mountaintop. And in the next uh, segment, we want to we want to bring in the faculty and, and student voices into the conversation and, and explore how this how this lands on the, the academic community at large. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. 
To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio and get the book that is transforming higher education, A Whole New Engineer, The Coming Revolution in Engineering Education at wholenewengineer.org. It's not just for engineering anymore. Before the break, we were talking with our guest from Lehigh University, uh, the Mountaintop Program, uh, uh, Alan, Alan Snyder and Sarah Stanlick, and, and uh, we're joined now by... Um, Michael Michael Spear and Shannon Barco, welcome welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, and so um, uh, Michael, uh, you're an assistant professor of computer science at uh, Lehigh, and Shannon, you're a 2015 Lehigh grad now working on a master's in tech entrepreneurship uh, at Lehigh. Um, we want we want to understand. Uh, your involvement with Mountaintop, but before we do, uh, what one or two things should our listeners know about you individually? Uh, let's start with you, Shannon. So um, about me, you can see in my bio a little bit, but I my undergrad was an integrated degree in mechanical engineering and product design, yes. and uh, it's an interdisciplinary program, and I would say that that's very true for who I am. Um, really, I'm mm-hmm. interested in a lot of different things and learning about a lot of different things, um, but I am really um, have a passion for uh, people and so really I'm such a people person and really enjoy getting to know other people um, and kind of what makes them work as well. Great. And Michael, how about about you? That people can look on the program page and see your bio. But what what one or two things should our listeners know about you before we talk more about Mountaintop? Well, maybe the best thing for them to know is that I started this whole process as a skeptic. Uh, I think uh, you know, like a lot of engineering professors. My thought was, hey, I have two jobs, and they're to offer awesome courses and to supervise the best research I can, and I didn't really see where Mountaintop was going to fit into any of that. So uh, 
you know, now now that I've come around, maybe maybe review maybe those who are listening can can think, oh, you know, he was a skeptic at the beginning too, so maybe maybe I can relate to what they're yeah. Feeling so and I, I'm curious about your skepticism. What was it? Uh, so you you thought you had these two jobs, but what was it? And you said that you you didn't see mountaintop helping you do those. But what else was it that made you skeptical or resistant to the idea at first? Well, I, th- I think the biggest thing is probably just that, that recognition that you can't do too many things extremely well, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you, know what, you know what you're supposed to do, and it's easy to fall into this comfort zone and not recognize the opportunity of, of stepping out. You know, uh, in, in the previous segment, I think you guys were talking a little bit about just that, that freedom and the way that things are open-ended and... As much as we like to think that we do that in research, I think often we have a very long-term plans already in place. And so the idea that you've got this brand-new team, a relatively short time frame, and you don't have a plan before you start necessarily, it makes you think in different ways. And, and I found that to lead me to be more open-minded about new research projects and new directions and just the kinds of things that I wanted to explore with students. Yeah. And you know, and when I talk to other faculty about this new paradigm, some of what comes up is that uh, you know, that in in the old paradigm, you're you're pretty firmly in control. And you were talking about planning, but we can map that planning to a kind of control. You're in control of what you're presenting in the classroom, and and you're you're kind of in control of the long term project of your research. Kind of going into something open ended implies a loss of control. And for some, I'm not saying this is true for you, but for some faculty, that can be pretty scary. Yeah, probably. You know, I think um, one of the things that often happens is, is we sort of miss that some of the most amazing teachers in our lives were our eighth grade teachers, right? Because mm. middle school is a period where somehow a good teacher can sort of herd the chaos and direct it in the right place. And so Mountaintop was kind of an opportunity for me to harness my inner middle school teacher and work in a chaotic environment and turn it into something with oh, structure. I, I, and love, I love that metaphor. And, so, and, and, and I'm curious about how both of you got, uh, in, in your case, the skeptic got roped in. But let's uh, go to Shannon. Shannon, how did you get involved with Mountaintop? So when I was a junior at Lehigh, um, in an entrepreneurship class, I had come up with an idea for a product and had developed a couple of prototypes but I was starting to apply to summer internships at the time, mm-hmm. and a couple of my professors uh, saw the product I was working on in class and mentioned to me the Mountaintop uh, program as a potential option for the summer. And so uh, in between applying to job internships, I found the Mountaintop uh, program, applied to that, and then was a part of it the summer of 2014 before yep. my senior year, focusing on the product I had worked on in class. So you were able to take the product you'd worked on in class and get other, other get some faculty and, and students to work with you on it as part of a larger project is what I'm hearing. Is that right? Yeah. So I was a part of um, a section of Mountaintop called Launch Bay C, which is um, through the Baker Institute for Entrepreneurship. Yep. And it was um, students who were working on products with the idea of creating a business around it. And so there were eight students working on six companies, kind of all in the same area, um, with faculty mentors, um, kind of a, a board of directors of alumni that would give us feedback um, and different workshops throughout the summer. Nice. And 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 how about you, Michael? How did you uh, how did the skeptic get roped into uh, or or allow himself to be roped into this uh, uh, crazy activity? 
well, oddly enough, it was also 2014 for me. So what, what happened was our computer science department received a, uh, a grant from the NSF, the National Science Foundation, to have our research experiences for undergraduates site where we'd have 10 to 15 undergraduates each year coming in to do research with our faculty. And, uh, and it's broadly in the area of smart spaces. And, uh, and we needed space, and mountaintops seemed like the place to do it. And this program was going on. And I realized, well, you know, there's some synergy here. Maybe, maybe mm. doing this research experience for undergraduates thing in mountaintop, we can combine things. And, uh, and so we ended up, instead of 10 to 15, uh, combining mountaintop students. We had about 25 students. They were computer scientists, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, computer engineers, and, yep. uh, and a couple people outside of engineering entirely working on robotics, Internet of Things, smart homes, smart buildings, computer security, computer vision, kind of like all these different things in one place at the same time. And it was a really different experience. And, and somewhere along the way, I realized, oh, my goodness, this is pretty cool. And Wow, the students have become incredibly motivated, and they're yes. doing all sorts of things that I didn't think were even possible to do. And uh, and so it was a ton of fun. And I I ended up working on another project the next year, and uh, and I'm doing another one this summer. So you know, it just kind of you ha- you have this eye-opening experience where, for one reason or another, you you kind of brush elbows with it, and then you get sucked in. That uh, sounds so exciting, and and Shannon, I'm curious what your what was your experience uh, the in 2014 with uh, working on your working on your product idea in this uh, in this uh, segment of uh, Mountaintop devoted to entrepreneurship. Yeah, so I mean, I think they talked a little bit about it in the last section of um, that empowering moment that you realize that you actually can work mm. on something completely on your own or um, completely self-motivated project-wise. And so it took, um, I totally agree with the two-week um, taking that time to recognize that, oh, I'm actually supposed to be working on this. Um, I actually can come up with new ideas that people haven't done before and that, um, you know, I can solve problems in a way with just no time constraint and that no matter what I do, it's always I'm never really going to be a waste of time that I'm always doing something that's productive toward my product uh, project product um, at that yep. time. Yeah. And so my experience with that was just really incredible coming up every day, seeing other people working on their um, you know, research or different projects and uh, focusing on my work as well in the same space. Yeah. So how would you, you know, so that, and, and I've, I've worked with students who are in that pre-phase where they're, they're, they don't, they sort of haven't crossed over to being unleashed. And so what was that like before, before you came to the realization that you could do this and, and that, that, that nothing you did was, was a waste of time? What, what was that like before you crossed over? I mean, it was definitely challenging, um, yeah. kind of scary at times, yeah. um, trying to figure out, okay, well, if I come up today at this time, what am I actually going to be working on? I don't have a class scheduled. I don't have meetings scheduled. Um, you know, how do I spend my time? What, what are my priorities? And kind of focusing on that. Um, I did a lot of goal setting. So figuring out, okay, at the end of the summer, what do I want to accomplish? And how can I break that down into the weeks and then into the days? Um, and how am I going to start making that happen? Um, so it was a lot of planning, but the plan definitely was not something that happened necess- necessarily sure. um, throughout the coming weeks, but it was something to get started at least. Yeah, and 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 I've heard this. You know, I've heard this before that you know essentially. So it's kind of going from being you know. So the the usual educational experience uh, experience is well planned. You've got 
whatever courses, with whatever syllabi, with whatever assignments. And so it's a matter of being obedient to that schedule that someone else has determined for you. And now you're out, you're out in this high bay building, um, supposed to be working on this, this ill-determined uh, project product at this point. And so now it, that two weeks goes by. And what was the experience like after that? I mean, I think after that, it was realizing how much you can get done in a day, I think was really empowering. So there'd be days that I would come up in the morning and have phone calls with people about manufacturing my product and, you know, working on things on uh, designing the branding around it all, you know, in one day or talking to people who could try out the product and doing customer research and things that it felt like would take a really, really long time to do and get accomplished. I could do in 24 hours or in a week. And so I think that starting when you get rolling and just the empowerment of, okay, today I did all of this stuff. That means tomorrow I can do just as much, if not more. And so you just kind of get yourself in a place where you, every day you're pushing yourself to do more than the last day. Beautiful. And, you know, so what may, I mean, this sounds, this sounds great. And, and, and when I've seen things that were in the space of unleashing like this, they are great. They feel great to students and faculty alike, but what, what makes what makes this uh, what makes this work, uh, Michael? Let's start with you, and then we'll come back to Shannon. Well, you know, it's it's easy, I think, to to focus on how students are really being creative, and so there's this aspect in which they're exercising the kind the part of their brain that is the same as what you use when you're doing research. But it's fun to notice as well that there's a aspect of it where you're learning some skills that we wish we could teach well in the classroom. Uh, and so, for example, when you think about, and I, I think anybody who's ever had to do group work in a class, it usually is a very challenging thing to do well because everybody has these competing schedules and these competing goals and these competing priorities. And at Mountaintop, you have teamwork that's much more like the kind of teamwork you'd have if you were at an internship or in a job or mm, in the yeah. real world because you're in the right kind of environment for it. There's something about breaking down the structure of a class that, uh, and, you know, the schedule that we have during the semester that means you can actually learn some of those things that we all want our students to learn, and you can learn them in a better way. And, and another really neat thing about it is that students get a really different sense for the scope of a project. So just to put it in perspective, um, we, uh, in our senior projects in computer science, we usually have corporate sponsors. And you have a funny conversation when you say, oh, yes, it's going to be a semester project, so we're expecting 120 hours of work. And the company's response is, oh, that's three weeks, where we think that's a semester. And so it's very different when students say, oh, and, and this, I think, is what Shannon was getting at, you know, 40 hours is a lot of time, and eight hours in one day is a lot of time. And, and to suddenly have to apply yourself like that, you see students suddenly take on a willingness to build in a way that they didn't before or to say, oh, you know, I need to take a couple hours to really learn this before I build. And so there's this great intellectual growth that's just like what we want to get in the classroom, and there's something about that freedom that unleashes that as well. Yeah, nice. Shannon, what, what, made, what makes it work uh, from, from your perspective as a student? Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think, I think it's really two things, the dedicated time, but also the dedicated space. And so I think... Mm. I mean, we've talked about time a lot in that very similarly, you know, you're working on something now full time for the summer. And so, you know, maybe for me, it started as a part of one class of, you know, a semester full of classes that I was working on that I could work on it maybe a couple hours a week 
to, again, at 40 hours a week, um, if not more, because I was excited about it, I would work more than that um, on it. And so you can just get so much more accomplished um, because that time is for that. Um, but then I think also the space was a huge part for me. So being able to be in the incredible bays um, that we have up on that mountaintop campus. And I heard when we were talking about mountaintop at one point, somebody said big ceilings equals big ideas. And it really did feel that way because I think there's just, there's so much space that you could always move around. You could go talk to other people. And like I said before, I'm such a people person. So every day I would go in and just have really casual conversations about research, which I never really thought was possible, that I would just go talk to people about what they did yesterday, you know, what happened, what failures did they have, what things are they working on today, what are they going to work on tomorrow, um, you know, what company are they talking to next week, just super casually as I would walk in every morning. And so that kind of environment really was exciting um, to be a part of. Yeah, beautiful. And and coaching, leadership coaching, executive coaching, we talk a lot about creating space for your client, but the the literal um, metaphor of space, I guess, if 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 a metaphor can be literal of of the 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 big space and big ideas, I love that. And so, and Sarah, as a professional, educational professional, as somebody who studied uh, learning and teaching uh, uh, in a, a considered way, what do you think makes it work? I mean, exactly speaking to what both Michael and um, Shannon are talking about with the teamwork and the community of scholars aspect, there is something very powerful to that. And you can look through, um, you know, different theoretical perspectives like Vygotsky and saying, well, what what happens with peer learning? When you have a mixed team of individuals who some are a little bit more into a discipline than others, farther along in their practice, coming from a completely different perspective, and then you're accountable to one another, and you're all excited to go up every day and talk through your ideas, even if you're not on a team together. That kinetic, you know, energy of that atmosphere of a community of scholars really does help make it work, and and um, I think uh, spurs on that motivation to stay accountable to it, and then want to continue on. I have more and more students that I'm hearing talking about. Well, I'm going to parlay into this to the next phase of my life, or I'm going to take a new class because I learned something here and I want to move on. You, you, you can't yeah. force that kind of excitement. So. Yeah, beautiful. Alan, we've got about a minute left in the segment. We'll give you the last word. Uh, in, you know, in what sense are these uh, stories representative, and what else would you like to, to say about it before um, we talk about lessons very re- learned? Yeah, they're very representative, Dave, and, and the, the kinds of comments we hear all the time. Um, the one, one piece is the unscriptedness, and we, we tend to script things for students for good reason, and here the script is taken away, and the student has to determine what to do with it. Um, uh, the philosopher of education, Paulo Freire, talked about uh, the, the convergence of learning and doing, and the conduct of purposeful work and then reflection on the outcome and how that can um, drive one through any kind of endeavor and, and, again, lead to the deepest kind of learning. And I think it's that actual, nat- actual natural gravitation into that kind of process that students find is what gets them past the um, withdrawal of the script and then allows them uh, to take off, and we 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 hear comments and and um, revelation of experiences around that all the time. Beautiful. 
Yeah. So um, I think uh, we want to talk about some of the future plans and some of the and, and some of the lessons learned in in the next segment. This is uh, Big Beacon Radio with our special guests Alan Snyder, Sarah Stanlick, Michael Spear, and Shannon Barco from uh, Lehigh's Mountaintop Program. And um, in the next segment, we we want to talk about lessons learned and and uh, what's coming next for Mountaintop. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who will be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. 5790 or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio and get the coaching, deep faculty development, training, and speaking you need to transform higher education at your institution at 3joy.com. So, uh, in the last segment, we were, we were talking. Um, with Alan Snyder, Sarah Stanlick, Michael Spear, and Sharon Barco from Lehigh's Mountaintop program and talking about this uh, mass unleashing of students that's been taking place every summer since 2013 at the Mountaintop facility high uh, overlooking uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And, and um, in this, this segment, I, I, I want to explore um, uh, some of the immediate plans for Mountaintop and, and some of the 
lessons learned so far. So uh, maybe let's start with you, Alan. What are what are some of the immediate plans for for Mountaintop going forward? Well, Dave, as I as I think I said at the outset, uh, one thing we're hoping to see is uptake and application of the paradigm into into year-round activity. Of course, this is in the hands of the faculty, and we're seeing it. And as I said, we're seeing more and more continuity uh, through the summer from spring courses through the summer to fall courses and so on. I think we'll start to see, we've seen student teams continuing their work in one way or another through the academic year. Uh, often generally hosted by faculty who provide the right project-based course containers and and so and so forth and we're hoping to continue to see that as people um, recognize the value of what they've experienced and also continue uh, to to invent one of the things we'll need to be thinking about then is is what do we do as things diffuse across campus uh, what do we do to continue to allow the the physical space and the summer program and so forth to continue to be a catalyst for new ideas and a place where people can invent? Yeah, I, I love I love that. You know, there's a sort of I'm seeing kind of an image of of uh, an anchored unleashing in the summer in this this location, uh, not at the center of campus, and as you and use the, diff, the D word, diffusion is often used in connection with innovation, sometimes fairly loosely, but, but that, that seriously there's this both temporal and spatial diffusion of, of innovation kind of creeping in to infect the, the, the regular obedience of the school year in a, in a way that may have been intended but is happening um, without control or force. That, that, that's absolutely right, and the without control and force is an important part. And we've had people float ideas like, hey, three of us could list three courses that a group of students would co-register for, and that gives us, considering our out-of-class work expectations at Lehigh, that gives us a lot of time. That gives us 36 hours or so of of dedicated time on the student's behalf, and now you get the kind of concentration and focus that Michael talked about. Of course, we have to have that be compatible with the curriculum in a way that students are graduating on time and all those things that we also need to care about. Yeah, but now the but now the innovate so the the openness of it and people it now being their idea as opposed to uh, oftentimes we try to centralize uh, these kinds of change initiatives and then there's all the there's resistance and pushback but instead it's driven by the passion that takes place in the summer and people say well we want more of that good stuff I I've, every every example of change that i've i've seen that's been effective has come when people change their hearts about it in much the way that you know michael michael explained that he was resistant to it but it was exposed to it and and um uh and and so people change their hearts then their minds and and then say well yeah i want more of this in the regular uh, school school term uh, michael i used your name in vain what do you how would you like to respond to what i just said Sure. Um, well, actually, it ties right in with what Alan was saying as well. Um, I think there's an intellectual hurdle that professors need to get over where we admit that not every important thing that a student does deserves a grade. And when we mm-hmm. can get past that, we can start to, to really think about things in a different way. You know, for, for our department, we've been saying, how can we give 
a mountaintop-like experience to everybody with all the inquiry and uh, the projects and that feeling of success and accomplishment and freedom to fail. And how can we put that in our curriculum? You know, you can't take the roof off of your classroom so that students can stand atop the smart space that they're building and put things into the ceiling, but you can sort of take the roof off metaphorically. And, uh, and so we've been looking at a lot of different ways to do that. And actually my favorite of those, and, and just an example of like the lessons learned, is we're telling students this year, you know, we have this big, uh, this big data initiative that's going on at Lehigh, and we're going to have a symposium, and we have a hackathon associated with it. And we chose to put the hackathon <coughs> during the week and encourage all of our students to cut class to go to the hackathon, because even though they're not going to get a grade for participating in the hackathon, that hackathon is going to be a chance for them to have that inquiry and that project and that intensive two-day experience and the freedom to fail. And if we can create more unstructured but planned events like that, I think that we can achieve that goal of a little bit of mountaintop for everyone. Well, you know, and this this kind of thing is going on more and more in in uh, the commercial world. Uh, the the idea, you know, the the kind of hackathon sort of thing is is mirrored in in industry by you know what uh, some have called a FedEx day, where you have a twenty four hour period of uncontrolled innovation, but the only the only rules are that you ha- positively ha- uh, positively have to deliver something overnight and then present it to people in kind of a party atmosphere. And there's this sense of um, the, the consistency of, of these things with modern um, motivation theory, theory self-determination theory. Uh, uh, we had Ed DC on the show the other day. We've talked to Dan Pink about these sorts of things. This is completely consistent with our new understanding of, of what really motivates uh, people. Sarah, would you like to comment? It also, one of the things that I'm taking away from this discussion and thinking um, more about the, the success of Mountaintop, it's about that connectivity and the ability for individuals to see themselves as not just um, an individual in their discipline. So I'm thinking about Michael's talking about the hackathon. Well, we're also having students who are participating in the hackathon who are interested in community engagement and the, the creation of social apps that could help with community development. And then there's going to be a Mountaintop project this summer that's on civic uh, hacking and data for social change. So we have students that are in each one of these experiences that then say, oh, I, I want to try something else or I want to use this in a hands-on, tangible fashion that could help with the, either community development, voting, political participation, Socratic citizenship, whatever, whatever um, uh, that might look like. And they're getting those experiences and then putting together their own suite of experiences so by the time they leave Lehigh, they can speak to all of these different experiences they had that would be really valuable in the larger world. Yeah, and and you know part of self determination theory, uh, you know, so you've got the notion of mastery and and uh, you've got the the notion of autonomy built in, but you've also got this idea of connectedness and 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 in, in everything we talked about, there being teams and community and connection and and there's a there's a sense in which the old style education was sort of individualized and and uh, and it, and if you worked with others in a certain sense, that was considered cheating. And so here we're normalizing the idea that. Uh, that learning is a is a learning and and for that matter work in the modern world is a team sport. Uh, Shannon, would you like to jump in, in in this conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think something that I'm thinking of too is that this opportunity for people who have done mountaintop to stay involved with mountaintop after their summer is up or even after they leave Lehigh. Mm. And um, I think something that 
I've been in conversation, too, is just how do we connect people who were all up on the mountain that summer? Um, I think we're starting, you know, very slowly with, like, a Facebook group kind of thing to keep people connected um, and stay involved. But um, I think that that part of it needs to stay in some way, even if you're not there working on the projects anymore. Yeah, nice. Uh, and so we've got we've got about uh, th- three minutes left, and and um, I'm I'm wondering what else what else should our listeners know about Mount Top that we haven't already um, uh, said? Uh, Alan, let's start with you, and and uh, let's move fairly quickly and get everyone's view on this. What what should they know? Dave, one one thing I'd point out is the nature of the of the faculty role. The the faculty mentor role here is a remarkably uh, Subtle and sophisticated. Um, how how do you know when to point out a problem versus remaining silent and watching the failure and knowing that the learning is going to happen? Mm. And and uh, part of what makes this work is the mentoring by active scholars who themselves are richly and deeply animated by difficult questions in their own lives and yeah. can recognize what's going on when students become immersed in that same kind of of process. And nice. so the ability to do this at a research university is something that could easily be missed and is critically important. Yeah, great. And and um, uh, Michael, uh, what what should people in in thirty seconds or so? What should people know uh, that we haven't told them about Mountaintop from from your perspective? I think it's useful to keep in mind that we like to take risks more than we realize when we get comfortable, and so the risk of doing something different is going to be rewarding, even if we fail. Not just yeah. for the students, but for the faculty too. Yeah, those casinos in um, in in Las Vegas and Atlantic City and around the world are full. We 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 even do it when the the game is stacked against us, and here the game is stacked in our favor. Shannon, what what should people know about uh, Mountaintop that we haven't had a chance to tell them in, in a short period? Um, I mean, I think that just from the student perspective, that learning doesn't necessarily have to be on that syllabus that you can really kind of push the boundaries of, you know, what the plan is going to be. I kind of talked about that when I spoke about creating my plan for the summer, um, that it's good to have goals, but they don't necessarily have to be specific um, week by week of exactly how you're going to attain them, that there's room for, for motion and some change in there as well. Beautiful. And Sarah, uh, what, what should people know about mountaintop that we haven't had a chance to tell them from your perspective? I think so much is about you can be a content master, but there's those human skills that are really necessary in order to be an effective uh, um, teammate, somebody who is humble, who resilient, who works with reciprocity, and experiences like Mountaintop help to develop that in our students. Yeah, and we're we're starting to call those. Well, we we say don't call those soft skills; call them shift skills because mm. they're they're about the shift that goes on inside when people have this kind of experience, and they're about the shift that's taking place uh, in this rapidly changing world that we have. So, um, uh, Alan, uh, give you the give you the uh, uh, last uh, word here. Um, what other thing? What other? We've got about a uh, just a little bit of time left. So, if you can kind of tell people where they can find out about uh, about Mountaintop uh, online or email address if they want to write and find more, please uh, give that for our listeners. That's easy, Dave. Lehigh.edu/slash/Mountaintop. 
and there's web pages, examples of student projects, some wonderful videos that have been made about both faculty and student experiences, and there's an information email address on there as well. Well, and and uh, thank you all, and bless you all for doing this uh, important work, and and uh, really. Uh, uh, pleased to have Alan Snyder, Sarah Stanlick, Michael Spear, and Shannon Barco on the program with us talking about Lehigh's uh, Mountaintop program. You've been listening to Big Beacon Radio, Transforming Higher Education with Dave Goldberg. Again, special thanks to our guests uh, from Lehigh and Mountaintop and uh, help transform higher education. Join the movement to unleash a new generation of innovators by learning more at bigbeacon.org. Join us next week, same time, same channel, as we continue our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.